Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. We're in kind of a new era in the church and in the world, and a lot of people are noticing it because they're saying, you know, the faith of my grandparents or great-grandparents just doesn't seem to fit the needs of where we're at as a culture, as families. You know, I can't tell how many times I've heard, Father, you know, my kids or grandkids, they don't go to church anymore, and we just always went. It's just what you did. You know, and these are sentiments that are really beautiful because they're people who love their faith and they want what's best for their kids and grandkids. But in there is also an unnamed awareness that something has shifted, something has happened, and what has happened is we are just no longer in a Christian culture. And if when I say that you think you could just name a bunch of morals to prove it, I don't mean morally necessarily. I just, even in our worldview, we use words like nature instead of creation. You know, we little things, right? Like, God bless you, is now simply have a good day. Right? Just little words and phrases reveal that in our everyday interactions, the awareness of what the biblical worldview would be and ours are just drifting away. And it happened kind of slowly for a little bit, and then it got kind of shifted into sixth gear, kind of off to the races all of a sudden. One of the places I notice it the most is kind of the presumption that most people have at funeral masses, not just here at St. Basil's, although we do a lot of funerals here, right? But my first parish, St. Charles Borromeo in Parma, they do more funerals a year than any other parish. We average about 205 a year when I was there. It was a lot. But one of the things I notice is the general presumption that we all kind of live with, which is that they're in a better place. You'll see your loved one again. Just this morning, Nancy, Steph, and I, we had a funeral. And kind of the general sense is, you know, oh, we'll see. It will be good. Okay, we have some time of a goodbye, but then there'll be a hello again. Now, none of that's wrong. But what's interesting is, In Jesus' day, and even before him in the history of Israel, that would not have been a sentiment that they would have shared. In fact, when it came to, like, the day after someone dies, where are they? What are they? Are they? These were really kind of confusing things. It wasn't very explicit for Jewish men and women that there was life after death. In fact, in the Bible, what is actually purveying is what's called everlasting death. So let's get into the scriptural story for a minute, because if you ever met anyone who suffers from Alzheimer's, they have lost their story. They don't know their past, and therefore they don't know their identity, and therefore they don't know really how to live. Similarly, we've lost our story, so we're losing our identity, and we're confused on how to live. So let's get a little bit of the story back. 
God is totally, blissfully, unimaginably, ineffably happy. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are completely full of joy and beauty and love that we can't even imagine. And out of their sheer goodness, they decide to create. They said, let's create things, Saturn, squirrels, other things that don't start with S. They decided to create all sorts of things. Surely out of their own goodness. God didn't need it. He just wanted there to be creation so that there could be, at the heart of creation, human beings. Because he said, let's make a creature that we could actually be in relationship with. Let's make one creature that we will share our own divine glory with. And that was what was called in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the Garden of Eden. And so, why did God create? Because he's in love with you and me. And he wants, like any good lover, to be with us forever. So if that's how beautiful it was, what the heck happened? That's clearly not what we're living. There weren't fig leaves, let alone masks. So what's going on? What happened is, one angel named Lucifer, which means light bearer, one of the most glorious angels there ever was, saw God's plan that little bugs, known as human beings, were going to share eternal glory forever, and he got insanely jealous of you and me. I'm an angel. I'm way more brilliant and beautiful. I'm not bogged down by a body. I can know things quicker than they can, and you're going to love them? I will no longer worship you. And it says, Lucifer fell and took a third of the angels with him. And Satan, which is Lucifer, the devil, is sent down to, and most people fill in the blank, hell. But in the book of Revelation, it says, Satan was sent down to earth. And he attacks Eve and Adam by lying to them. They believe the lie and temptation that God isn't good, that he doesn't want to fulfill and come through, and they sin. At this point, all of humanity falls under the power of the enemy. This is all throughout the scriptures. And two things entered the world. Now not only are we enslaved to this enemy of ours, but now there is sin, and because there's sin, There's everlasting death because there's separation between God and us. So there's everlasting death. When grandma died in the Old Testament time, it was annihilation. Where was she going to come back? No, will we see? There would have been like she's in a better place. That would have never dawned on them. And so when you hear in the first reading today, the prophet Ezekiel is sharing what God has spoken to him. And what he says is, listen, my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them. God is arousing in them a very confusing and very exciting hope. Because of you, God, I can see my child again, my spouse, my parent, 
They're not just dead. Well, when? When, Lord, will you do this? We want this. And so the Israelite people began to grow in desire for the idea that death was going to have an end. Death was not going to reign supreme. God was going to do something about it. And so if God did something about this broken, hard, difficult world, what did he do? He sent us Jesus Christ. And Jesus, by dying on the cross and rising, destroys the power of sin and Satan and now offers to humanity, all those who respond to him, everlasting life. And so when we gather for funerals and loved ones die, when we say things like, she's in a better place, what we're saying is, Solely because Jesus, who was completely, infinitely, and blissfully happy, lacking nothing, because he chose to have mercy on our enslaved state, come down, be mocked, be abandoned, be ridiculed, be lied about, be put to death in one of the most violent ways possible, because he chose to do that, and that's our God, we now have the hope. Of everlasting life. And so the response to people who are Christian is our worldview is that as bad as things get, Jesus has already claimed the victory. This is our proclamation, this is who we are as a people. Is that the reason why? Funerals are sad is because we can't hug, hear, touch, and be with the one we love. But the reason why they're not earth-shatteringly despairing is because right here at the end of the casket is a little candle. And this is called the Christ candle. And it's lit the very first time at the Easter vigil where we celebrate that the risen Lord is the light that shatters the darkness. And so we have this little flicker at the end of the casket that speaks to everyone of our hope. Our hope is that because Jesus rose, he's fulfilling the prophecy of Ezekiel and opening up within this world a space for men and women to be nourished on his own grace and power. And discover through him running through our veins by the sacramental life of the church. A new beauty, a new glory, a new power that helps us regain something of the beauty of paradise that was lost. And to press forward with an ecstatic joy that our God who wants to be with us for all eternity has never wavered. And in fact, when we walked away and couldn't fix ourselves... He doubled down on his bet and sent us his son and his Holy Spirit to give us the scriptures, the sacramental life of the church, the guidance and teaching of the church, the examples of the saints, so that we could form one body and we can go out and invite others into the story of God's saving action. And so I want to give you two challenges for this week. The first one is this, in two weeks will be Holy Week. Will it be? 
Will it be holy for you? If we say in the glory of Jesus, you alone are the holy one, then if it's going to be a holy week, it really has got to be me being close to the holy one. Because we're not holy on our own, or at least I can speak for myself. I'm not. I need him to be the holy one. So if he alone's the holy one, and we're going to celebrate holy week, here's the challenge. What are you going to engage in that week to be holy? We certainly offer something almost every day during the week, but you have your own devotions. But having a plan, we know, is usually the best way for success. Usually good things don't just happen. So that's the first challenge. What are you going to do so Holy Week is holy? Here's the second one. If we have been rescued by Jesus, one of the things people who have rescued need to do is go rescue others. Who do you need to invite to Easter Sunday this year? Maybe not even with you, but who needs the loving nudge to go to Mass on Easter? We couldn't even celebrate it last year. Some people haven't been back to Mass since the lockdown in March. And I know what we've done as a staff is we've been trying to offer as many Masses on Easter Sunday. So the one somewhat justifiable reason that I don't want to be a lot of people, I'm nervous, we're having so many Masses that hopefully people would feel incredibly safe. But sometimes what they need is someone to say their name and say, I'd like to invite you to come to Easter Mass this year with us or on your own. Just would love for you to get back in touch with the saving grace of Jesus. So that in a very tough year where there are a lot of other storytellers besides God giving you your identity, you can be renewed and refreshed in Jesus, the eternal plan of God and the good news that we are destined for glory. How's holy we going to be holy? Who's God asking you to invite to the Easter Masses? These are the challenges. May God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.